Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Eli Kim. That was a depressing loss just uh, earlier this evening to the Indiana Pacers, 135-126 for the Cavs. The Pacers were absolutely in fuego from three, 19-31, uh, 20-21 from the line, um, 57% from the field, and it felt like it was very much a make-or-miss uh, game. Cavs went 12 of 28 uh, for 43%, which against a lot of teams would get it done, but left six points at the free throw line and then had two points. Absolute, I would say at least four points robbed from them by officiating because that goaltend call on Okoro in the fourth quarter was utter garbage. <laughs> uh you know, the ball was below the rim. Um, and yeah, the Pacers outplayed them. And the Cavs are running up against a problem in the NBA in that you, it's very hard to win with defense consistently all the time. Uh, teams are going to get hot and beat you from the spots that you give them. And that's kind of what happened tonight. Do you see it any different, Eli? I just think that the Cavs are kind of a little too comfortable in their own skin. I think they see that they're the best defensive team net rating wise. And I think they're just slipping a little bit habitually. Um, Buying a little think, too much of their own press. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, there's a bit of uh it just feels like, they don't care as much this year, which is kind of hard to weird to say. I mean, body language, I'm not a body language expert, but that's just what I see and what I think is happening. Um, and look, I get it. The Cavs, they're, you know, they came off that tough Nets loss and they had a couple extra, an extra day basically a rest. So coming out like a days ago and, I guess the start of the game <laughs> was probably a good indicator how the game was going to go where, it might be the fastest three-pointer of all time where they the Pacers lose the tip, but somehow Buddy Heald ends up with the ball and swishes a three within two seconds of the game starting. So it was just, uh, just a frustrating game to watch. And For sure. Tough to just swallow. I mean, I, I tweeted this, but, you know, anytime you give up 130 points, I don't care what the stats say about Oh, like the Cavs have bad luck on open threes. Like, I don't care. Like, no team should be shooting 60%. Well, especially no, two games in a row. You give three, really. 
Yeah, you know, you give teams wide open threes, they're going to take them and make them and bury them. And this wasn't a team like the Nets or who was a team before the Nets? Um, the Raptors. The Raptors that are terrible three-point shooting teams. I mean, the Raptors were a bad three-point shooting team that made a lot, but this is a, they're 11th in the NBA, you know, and Buddy Heald literally has made the most threes of any player in the NBA this year. Like he's ahead of Steph Curry. So you going to let that guy shoot wide open lose looks, you're going to lose, you know, and they kept losing track of Buddy Heald. Um, now I will say one of the things that is happening and one of the reasons, so I'll just lay it out here for you right now. I'm a little bit rooting for an extended losing streak because I feel like JB Bickerstaff is the problem and somebody else needs to be coaching this team. I've seen enough to know I've seen too much. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Like I'm just over it. I just, he's just driving me nuts and I, I've had all I can take and I can't take no more. He, he just does things consistently that drive me crazy. Um, tonight I thought the fact that, uh, Garland was out there after he hurt his hand was utterly egregious coaching. Like I, it was clear that Garland had had major, had hurt himself pretty bad and was holding his hand for about three play, straight plays. They didn't take a foul. They didn't call timeout. They didn't do anything to get him out of the game. Then he came, went off, came back with a thumb brace and he was so bad that he missed two straight free throws. And this is supposedly from a team who says that player safety is their number one concern. Well, I have seen too many times over the last three years of guys trotted out when they shouldn't be playing um, for short-term gains and then them being more hurt than it was originally thought of and i would not be surprised if garland misses at least two weeks um so i'm pretty frustrated with the way that jb is coaching the way they're you know managing the bench managing injuries darius garland shouldn't have been back in that game in my opinion i i i don't know if he I, he was playing with only a left hand i don't know what, what's your take on that i think i agree with you i mean i don't know why he would be coming back in especially the the way he was shaking it and holding it the rest of the game. And, I mean, let's be honest, he was getting torched out there, too. I mean, Buddy Yeah, they were, just, they were targeting him. Yeah, Buddy Heald was just, anytime he was matched up on him, he was going to take a three or drive right to the cup. So Yeah, it was I, literally an opportunity to get Garland off the floor when he was a defensive liability at the time, and the Cavs didn't take it. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, when you're talking about the team in terms of, um, like, the history of it, I mean, we've seen it this year. I mean, when Jared Allen went out and, like, flipped over Giannis against the Bucks in that first game, they brought him back in twice. Like, they should have. And then he and missed, like, four he, What did games. he miss, like, ten days after that? Yeah. And then, then uh, I mean, obviously, Kevin Love last. Yeah, Larry Nance. Larry Nance. Larry Nance, broken wrist. Yeah, so... I, I don't understand. I mean, it's the same trainer that was here even when LeBron was here, so I'm assuming yeah. he's pretty good, but it's just I feel like there's a 
there's a, there's a weird misalignment of interest. I think the coaching staff is doing their best to win, including rushing guys back. And then the front office is still trying to show and tell everyone that this is a long-term thing they're building. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like that, and I. Well, I think, I think the coaches are feeling the pressure to win. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, they're the Cavs are what fourth in the East, and they might be fifth here soon. They keep playing like this, um, and it's not it's not saying the Cavs are a bad team. I'm not giving up on the core four or anything like that, but the East is just really tough this year. I mean, and I think uh, the Cavs started pretty hot and. Look, this season it's been a series of runs. They like lost four straight, lost five straight, and then they go on like an eight game, ten game, eleven game winning streak, right? So, um, I'm not saying I don't think the Cavs are doomed by any stretch. So, but I just think that. Oh, I don't this, either. I just think that this game was just so frustrating because obviously Osmond being out was a tough blow. But then, how can you? How can you as a coaching staff go to? On a Coro Lamar Stevens uh, lineup, like it just doesn't make sense to me. That well, there were so many just bizarre decisions. I mean, you know, one of the problems I thought down the stretch was Evan Mobley was Evan Mobley was kind of terrible tonight. Minus eighteen in thirty-two minutes had you know led the team in turnovers with you know just had butterfingers all night, um, you know did not play very well. And I thought the fact that Kevin Love wasn't on the floor, like I don't understand why the Cavs didn't take an offense slash defense uh, substitution, you know, in the last three minutes, like put Kevin Love on, put, uh, get a good uh, offensive lineup on there and then try to uh, try to score. Um, I, I just, he runs guys in, <laughs> What was the tweet I saw that I thought that was so perfect? Uh, you know, note to JB Bickerstaff, never go full Thibodeau. <laughs> and that was really just, he's just running guys into the ground and then just not coaching intelligently. I just don't understand what he's doing sometimes. Like, like the fact when, when, to me, when Garland got hurt, it was the absolute perfect opportunity to run Lavert, Mitchell, and Okoro, and then uh, Allen and uh, Mobley, and then you've got five good defenders out there. And that's what the Cavs needed was a way to stop them targeting Darius Garland, and that's what they should have done. They should have called that timeout, got Garland out of the game, ran those other guys, and yet we saw, you know, Okoro was shot out of a can in that game, plus seven on the game, four for four from the field. I thought he played great. Uh, only got 21 minutes. You know, I, I don't understand what they're doing. I And they just, they were all gassed by midway through that fourth quarter. Did you see that? Like my wife even was talking about, uh, Kevin Love, she goes, is Kevin playing more than he normally is? Because he's super sweaty. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah, I think he is. I don't know, Eli. What do you think? Yeah, they were definitely gassed. I think when Carlisle got ejected, which he probably shouldn't have, to be honest, because I think the refs immediately admitted that it should have been a travel. 
Um, like I felt like the Cavs thought there was blood in the water, and then they just got so hyped that they ran themselves out of the gym. At basically, at the they took that lead in the early fourth quarter, and then they could never recover and get the legs back out there. Them and well, and defend. I, I think that points to an issue with this team that I kind of want to get into after the break because there's something going on. There's a subtext here, and I feel like the you know, you had said the front office and uh, the coaching staff kind of seem at, at different, you know, oppositional viewpoints. Well, I feel like the players as well have that take. And uh, I want to get into it after the break. So kind of with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Casa Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Eli Kim. Um, one of the things about this game is... I believe we had, well, I mean, anytime you play at a 135-126 game, you know the pace has to be high. Um, And I really felt like the Cavs fell into the pace that Indiana wanted to play. Um, And and Indiana ended up with four 20-plus point scorers that game. And that's really hard to do unless you're playing at a breakneck pace. And uh, the Cavs, I feel like there's guys on the Cavs that want to slow it down and play a slow pace. Unfortunately, I don't think any of those guys are the guards. Um, And I think the Cavs get sped up a lot when they shouldn't, when they should play at a very deliberate pace. And I think that's the pace the coach wants them to play at. Uh, But I don't feel like all the players want to do that. And unfortunately, when you start a lineup in today's NBA, with three non-shooters on the floor, uh, non-floor spacers anyway, um, it's very hard to score points um, in the half court, but also in the uh, in the full court. Then you get into a running game, and that's kind of not in you know conducive to the Cavs style. But the Cavs style is also so that. You know, if you have three non-shooters on the floor, it becomes hard to score in the half court. So I don't really feel like they've optimized themselves for success with either pace with the way their starting lineup is structured. Um, I don't know. Do do you want to speak to that, Eli? I think I kind of agree with you. I think when we see the Cavs do one of their patented Cavalanches, um, it's not with Okoro and Lamar Stevens in the lineup, and there's a reason for that. On the, on the floor, yeah. Yeah, because they need spacing and they need to play fast. And if you're playing with Okoro and Stevens, um, like it's not conducive to their style. I mean, Okoro a little bit in transition, he's better. But those Cavalanches are typically because Osm is in the game. He wants to play fast, and I think – to your point, I think that's one of the reasons why he's always in the doghouse because he he pushes the pace sometimes. He's the one that's trying to leak out and transition, and when he gets a long rebound, he's the guy that tries to take it, you know, force the issue down the court. And yeah. I think JB hates that. I think he prefers to play slow, which, um, you know, the Cavs are 29th in pace, I think. Um, the only team slower are the Mavericks, which makes sense because the Mavericks also have this issue where they only have one player to really run their whole offense through at most of the time. Um, but, and obviously Luca is not a fast break savant with his athletic right. uh, lack of gifts. 
but um i i think i kind of see where you're going i i think i agree i mean i think the Cavs are good when they play slow but it it's because they play around mobley and allen but right now the hierarchy for the team is mitchell and garland ahead of those guys and those guys definitely want to play fast and they're better when they play fast. So let's just be, so they want to play their strengths. So, well, I would say, especially Garland, like Garland is better when that ball is moving around and he's got a lot of freedom in the offense, Yeah, you know, and I feel like Mitchell can play in the half court. He's probably better in the full court, but especially because he's not a bigger player, he can't just, you know, back, guys down and score in the post and the Cavs bigs aren't good enough to do that. It, it's a weird dichotomy. They, they're kind of at cross purposes. And I think you and I both just cringe tonight at uh, the way Lamar. And the other thing that's killing them is those starting lineups just feel like they get off to terrible starts every game. I mean, does, does I, and I don't have stats to back that up, but I feel like they're starting in a hole every game. Oh, and, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't have the – I listened to a podcast before this game, so some of this is outdated. But Lamar Stevens with the starting four guys is a net negative still. Um, yeah. Okoro is barely a positive, and Levert and Osman are extremely – or m- much more positive. But obviously I think Levert is, a you know, the sacrificial lamb to kind of balance out the second unit. So – I just don't understand the logic either if you're playing Levert or, I mean, uh, Lamar to start the game. You're kind of setting yourself up to get off to a hot defensive start, and that's not a given given the way NBA teams are able to shoot the ball, and, like, tonight's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Well, and I think it comes down a little bit to scheme too, but, um, yeah, it's – I and I think the – rest of the players are getting frustrated with Lamar Stevens on the floor, to be honest with you. Like I, I, I use, they throw Lamar Stevens in the left corner and it's literally, there is no weak side of the defense. <laughs> there is no weak side of the floor because the whole, there was not a um, pacer outside of the key. Like <laughs> they were cheating all the, they were, you know, the whole Cavs defense for a long time was they would overplay the pick and roll and then end up with three on twos on the back end, trusting that Garland or that uh, Mobley and Allen were good enough to guard uh, that three on two opportunity. And, you know, what you're seeing is teams have spaced out that three on two. So if you get a three on two, Instead of, you know, two guys going at the basket and one guy guarding them, they got one guy going at the basket, two guys in the middle and two guys in the corners that can shoot threes. And that's part of the reason the Cavs are getting open threes. But the other side of that is the Cavs are consistently playing two on three on offense because that weak side corner is so they just aren't guarding it. Or when they have our core Okoro and Stevens on the floor and they put them in the corners, they literally uh, are just got, you know, five guys in the paint, um, five, two guys at the top of the key and then three guys at the paint. And it's just it's not going to work. 
Um, the NBA in modern NBA, you have to score points. And if those guys are there, you're not scoring points when both of them are on the floor. And actually I think Okoro has played so much better than Stevens, especially tonight and has earned that opportunity. But it's been a disaster since Stevens has been back in the starting lineup. I feel like, I don't know. I, I mean, are you seeing the same things or are you seeing anything in particular with, you know, Stevens in the starting lineup, because I just want to throw my remote through the TV half the time. No, I think, I think one of the big adjustments that um, the Pacers did tonight was they put to start the second half, they literally put Miles Turner on um, Lamar Stevens. And then anytime he was in the corner, Miles Turner was just in the paint waiting as an extra defender. And Lamar made one three, but then. (laughs) <laughs> the Cavs basically didn't pass to him again, and then he didn't play the rest of the second half. Because the other the side way- of that is they're crowding the paint so much, the bigs can't even rotate that ball out to the corner. You right. know, like and and his footwork and his pacing and his movement without the ball is so bad that it just is it. It's so hard to even get him the ball there, let alone have him make that three. Yeah, and on top of that, like he's not—he's not a good transition player because he's not athletic. At least the Coro can win a sprint and get an easy dunk or a good look at the basket. Um, so, hey, Coro tonight, man, had—he uh, had uh, three assists. Um, he was great when they closed him out in the corner, and Stevens just wasn't three for eight. Uh, had bad turnovers. Like the first three times he tried to attack the basket um, in the first half, it was it was terrible. And then he got kind of that gimme uh, shot clock buzzer. But it's literally like, did you ever see the movie? Uh, what was it called? Little Big League, where the little kid manages the middle Minnesota Twins, <laughs> and and he's got Timothy Busfield is his. Uh, second baseman and he gets and he's basically he's his favorite player of all time but he's got to send him he's got to bench him because he's not good and he's like you know i gotta bench you you're not very good he goes but i gotta hit tonight and then the whole point he goes you were like over 20 games before this and you got a seeing eye single tonight like if that's why you think that you should still be playing then you know you need to examine why you're not why you stink Basically, and that's kind of Lamar Stevens. Like he's just not a starting caliber player. He's not a good player. Um, and I don't know what to do, but you got to get him out of the starting lineup. And I feel like the Cavs always have to. They never have that foresight. Like they have to experience the losses and take the lumps before they make the change. You know what I mean? Like they have to lose first. It's like. This should be obvious that he can't start in the NBA, but it's not obvious to J.B. Bickerstaff, and it, it's just driving me nuts. I don't know. And my theory, which I've been a proponent on since last year, is that Lamar Stevens is the biggest tryhard in practice, and which is good. I mean, that pushes the other guys, but he tries so hard in practice. J.B. loves that. He's an old-school guy, and he thinks that, Lamar can, you know, grind it out in the heat of a game. And that's why he still gets opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. 
Heck, I mean, Okoro was playing, he's been playing some great ball in the last, you know, 10 games, I would say. He's been playing pretty well. And for him to lose his starting spot after still perhaps being the most non-scared player against the Raptors was just unacceptable. I mean, unbelievable, to be honest. And then tonight, I mean, Lamar can't really guard any of the Pacer guys. Like, he's not yeah, a good he's matchup. A, yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't close out well on the perimeter. And yeah, yeah he, he yet somehow he's only minus one. Well, on he only played night. twenty minutes. So. Yeah, that's true. And then Okoro, I think he would have been a much better person to start on Halliburton. I mean he'll probably would have still torched uh yeah. Garland to Mitchell, but at least you can help prevent Halliburton getting six threes, you know. So and and to know. his credit, he was just nailing yellow threes like thirty-five feet from the basket. Like and God Halliburton, it just pisses me off the way the Kings gave him away. Like he had twenty-nine points, six of eight on threes, nine assists, two rebounds, two steals, and one turnover. Like that is so ridiculous, those numbers. And you know, another everybody healed is the number. They're the number one player to uh, player to player assist combo in the NBA. Like it just pisses me off that Tyrese Halliburton is this good, this young, and the the Pacers basically stole him. <laughs> yeah, they stole him for Sabonis, who's out. And, yeah, and Sabonis is a nice player, but you can't. When has a post-up big man – when's the last time a post-up big man won an NBA championship? It's been a long time. <laughs> it's, it's been like – it's been Shaq, basically. Yeah. It's been Shaq. <laughs> you know, and it's – yeah, I just don't get it. And and this Pacers team is really good. And Halliburton, you know, we, we complain about how the Cavs played, but good Lord did the – the Pacers played well and Ben Mathurian is basically or Mathurin uh, uh, having a monster rookie year. He had 23 tonight, Buddy Heald is leading the NBA in three pointers made Aaron Nesmith just posterized probably the biggest posterization on Jared Allen I've ever seen tonight when he oh, got yeah. up for that quick dunk, um, you know, and miles Turner is, kind of an afterthought and yet he's killing it you know he had 14 and 12 and six blocks tonight like you mm-hmm. said because he doesn't have to respect the the weak side quarter um I, the Cavs got to do something different teams know what's coming and i don't know I, I and i think after the break we'll talk about what some of their options are but i'm i i don't think this team as constructed can win a playoff series. I just, and maybe, maybe Dean Wade being back and maybe Ricky Rubio being back changes that equation, but they haven't shown the ability to keep guys healthy. So I I don't know how that's going to work out, but yeah, I'm, I'm very frustrated with JB Bickerstaff tonight. Um, And I feel like people are going to make excuses for him and because he had that short rotation, but to me, not taking Garland out of the game was kind of egregious on both the level of um, 
how do I put this? The level of they were targeting him on defense and he was hurt. And you could have put in Okoro, Levert, and Mitchell and had a decent, you know, perimeter rotation. I don't know how you keep him in the game. So it, it was just very frustrating. And I feel like there's a move like that every game, like where it's just like, why are you doing this? You know, of, of the Nets, why Chetty Osman was awesome then didn't, didn't play in the fourth quarter. You know, yeah. I, and I feel like the the chemistry on the starting lineup sucks. I don't know. What about you? I mean, what what are you seeing that? Um, do you, do you feel like the team has constructed to win a playoff series? I guess that's the question. I think they still could, but it it's very matchup dependent. Like I don't think they're beating the Nets, Bucks, or the Celtics. So. Got to be a top four seed to do that, not to guarantee not playing either any of those guys. Um, and then I just think that they have to figure out a more stable starting player because I think right now the problem is I th- I think it's supposed to be Dean Wade at this point. I think he just brings all the skill set you want, but he can't can't stay healthy. And then the problem is. If you don't play Dean Wade, you got all these guys who are three or D, but both no one can provide both, it seems. And the player well, because, who I think. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. The player who I think should be cons- getting consideration to start is Jetty, but the coach hates him. I mean, I just don't know what else to say at this point. Like, I'm convinced Jet- like, JB hates Jetty Osman. I don't <laughs> understand it. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't every, get it either. Every He's literally the best plus minus of any bench player in the league, right? Yeah, and every advanced stat, every f- lineup that he plays with, this, he's the best player to play with the starters. Like, not even close. You can say small sample size. You can say that the whole year. But you, if you don't start that lineup at least once and give it a freaking try, I don't understand. It has to be something personal. Or something just unbelievably unacceptable for the reason to not start him. And yeah, it's it's super weird. Like the whole way the Cavs, there's just a weird vibe right now, right? Yeah, do I you, mean, do you get a weird sense of a weird vibe? I do, and it's just weird because it's weird because I think Jetty is actually a, a very good, um, you know, a metaphor for the team because all the players talk about how they love him. And then for some reason, like Jay, and he's playing very well. He fits really well, but the coaches don't like JB does not play him. And it just, I feel like he's a perfect example of what's wrong with the Cavs and why it's even more frustrating because I think there are solutions in house, even with the injury to Wade, even with Rubio coming back. Like I just think there's ways to easily be better. But for some darn reason, JB is not willing to do it. And it's just, but in a weird way, he is also trying to win so bad, he's risking the health of the players too. So I just, it's just like. He's got to win, but it's got to be on his terms. Correct. And he's like so hard headed and stubborn about it that it's like literally costing games and wins. And, you know, it could be costing relationships. I think. Yeah, I think that's what I'm kind of hinting at. 
yeah, I think the players could turn on JB eventually. I mean, it's happened before. Um, you know, Memphis, the reason they didn't bring him back is because he didn't want to play the young guys. He didn't want to play Jared Jackson Jr. Like, so it's, it's just frustrating to see that, like, in a weird, in a way, he's like actually playing Mobley too much, even when he's not that good. He's yeah, playing. like tonight, I thought Kevin Love should have been playing down the stretch. Oh, yeah. and Because he just, Mobley wasn't spacing the floor. Exactly. And he had or, the butterfingers, and he couldn't get rebounds. But but Okoro was playing well, so you have to play Okoro or Mobley down the stretch when you're trying to come back. And he picked both for some Like, it just, I don't get it. JB's just frustrating right now, and it's hard to, uh, it's hard to watch, candidly. I mean, it's yeah, it's just tough. It just it's something just doesn't fit right. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. and with that, uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Eli Kim. And uh, this is probably our last—I I wouldn't say probably. This will be our last podcast of 2022. Um, and so I, I got some Cavalier New Year's resolutions for us. Um, and so, you know, from a coaching standpoint. Eli, what should, you know, product on the floor, what should the Cavs New Year's resolution be uh, with with the way they're coaching, you know, game to game and the product we're seeing on the floor and who's who's playing, et cetera? Yeah, I think I think it has to be Jetty Osmond, man. I think you got to just play him more. His skill set fits exactly what the Cavs are missing. And. He needs to, the doghouse for him has to be destroyed. I mean, I don't understand how there still is a doghouse for him this year with the way he's been playing so far. So that'd be probably the biggest change. Another change is probably like continuity, I would say. I think the Cavs need to stop jerking around between Lamar Stevens and Okoro. I think they just need to pick one and play that player more to develop them. And I think the one lineup that we can all agree not to ever see again is Lamar and Okoro together, especially when you pair it with Allen or Mobley, because that is just a clogged paint and no half-court offense. So those are kind of the three changes that I think I would make um, if I could have my way. And I don't think I'm like that crazy for suggesting these things, and that's what makes it even more frustrating as a fan of this team. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, I think the other thing that I want to see, you know, and I saw it tonight, uh, Karis LeVert got a lot of run. You know, I feel like two of Garland, uh, Mitchell, and LeVert always need to be on the floor. And um, But I also feel like the Cavs need to have at least, and I know it's difficult, when guys are out, but they need to have at least three decent shooters on the floor all the time. Um, and, and at this point I would say, you know, Isaac Okoro is a better shooter than Lamar Stevens. Um, you know, even when Okoro misses now, um, he's more dynamic when he puts the ball on the floor. Uh, he also doesn't have that terrible uh, right leg kicking way out for no godly reason um you know his footwork is better uh he's a better on ball defender um 
he's not that much worse of a rebounder at this point. I feel like his rebounding has really picked up. Um, I, I just, and here's the other thing. I think Lamar Stevens is at a ceiling. Like, I don't see Lamar Stevens becoming much better than the player he is right now. Um, you know, maybe he can get his three-point shooting up to like 30%, but his form is is pretty bad. And and he's got a slow wind-up. Um, and like you said in the uh, the live thread tonight, uh, or in the on Twitter, it was like he, he practiced his shot a lot, and then he went over two at the free throw line. It's like, you know, he just – I just don't think he's a good enough player. Like, he is a deep bench practice guy. He is – and Okoro's just got so much of a higher ceiling, and I think that's why you have to play Okoro. Um, and I'd much rather see his minutes. Uh, you know, I actually think one of the best things that Kobe could do for this team – is literally cut Lamar Stevens. <laughs> like, I just don't, maybe he's a great practice player and a great locker room guy, but JB thinks that guy can play regular and he's just not good enough. And it's sad, but it's true. Um, what are the other New Year's resolutions uh, for me are, you know, Karis Levert should pay, play 30 minutes every night. Um and maybe when Ricky Rubio is back, Levert needs to really focus on what he can do with that three role. Um, and and those are the big things. And then, yeah, like you said, Chetty Osman, I think it's it's a no brainer. Even if he doesn't start, um, which I'm fine with him not starting, he should still play at least 25 minutes a night. These nights where Chetty is awesome. And then you look up and he only played 15 minutes. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's terrible coaching and it's terrible game management. Um, I don't understand what the Cavs are doing. And I don't think it, you know, one of the things that drove me nuts about JB Bickerstaff, he's like, well, I'm, I'm developing combinations for the postseason. Well, if you get the postseason as a seventh seed again, what, what's the point? You know, I, I just don't understand what they're doing. So, and that kind of leads me to my next uh, New Year's resolution. Um, in terms of how the team is developed and what the key team can do to, you know, what Kobe Altman can do to put a better product on the floor and, you know, a team more constructed around its strengths. What do you see that, uh, that Kobe Altman can do uh, in terms of tinkering with this roster, Eli? Excuse me. Um, I think one thing is health. Uh, I think I am eager to see Dean Wade because I think his skill set would fit well with the starting lineup. And it could be the piece that the Cavs need. And, you know, speaking of health, I think Rubio would help a lot too because I think if Rubio is back and he's, you know, 80, 80 to 90% of what he was last year, then I'm not worried about the second unit on offense. Like it's that. He's that good. He gets people in spots. He, you know, gets, he's a true general out there and can get the team um, in the spots they need to get. And he's another, co- he's an extension of the coach out there. So health is one thing. Another thing is, I just think maybe a move on the margins. Like, um, there are going to be teams that probably want to save a little bit of salary this year. 
And, um, you know, there are teams that probably regret some of their mid-level exception guys. So, you know, I think the Cavs got a little bit of space. They got an empty roster spot. Maybe they can find a way to take on a player with some long-term money that isn't a great player by any stretch, but, you know, can make threes, can play backup center if he needs, if the Cavs have another injury in the, in the front court or, you know, just move around the fringes is kind of what I think Kobe Altman can do. And then, um, you know, I think those are just the two low hanging fruit pieces. And then the last thing is just maybe still be on the lookout for that wing player. I mean, I know you guys make fun of me a lot for talking about Harrison Barnes at every podcast, but he's not playing that great right now. And, but I still believe in his skill set. I still think his length and his, you know, history of making threes is a valuable skill set that Cavs could use. Maybe you explore, you know, going for Harrison Barnes. And then, you know, obviously the first salary purposes would probably be Levert, but, um, you know, it helped. And if Rubio's back, I think that balances the team a lot better. It secures that final starting spot. So I just think just being on the lookout and opportunistic for moves like that, but also just um, being willing to, you know, cut bait on players like Lamar Stevens or Dylan Windler. I think that's um, in the realm of possibilities to make those moves around the fringes of the roster. I'm with you. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, frustrates me a little bit. And I've actually been thinking about this a lot and, you know, the clock a little bit is ticking for the Cavs because when is Donovan Mitchell a free agent? Um, he can opt down two years, I think. Yeah. So this season and next season, basically after next season, he can opt out. Is that how it works? No, no, no. So two more seasons after this, two more seasons after this. So, but, the, but the clock is ticking. Um, and I think with the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell, who's literally in his prime, what is he, 26 now? Um, you know, the yeah. next three years of his career, uh, especially for a guard, are his prime. So you really have to maximize Donovan Mitchell now. Um, I really think I, I'm not one of these people that wants to trade for LeBron James. I think that doesn't make any sense because literally LeBron James could, his career could be over tomorrow. He has a major injury and it's over, you know, or you look at Tom Brady when it goes, when you're in your late thirties and early forties, even if you're an all time great, it goes all at once. And once LeBron's done. He's going to be done. It's just, he's not going to be able to play anymore. Um, especially from, uh, you know, winning in the playoff standpoint. So I think the Cavs may have to consider breaking up their core long-term. I think one of the things that's going to be really hard for the Cavs and, um, I think Darius Garland may not fit on this team long-term. Um, and part of the reason for that is because teams, you saw it tonight, teams target him defensively. Um, and I don't know if you can win an NBA finals with him on the floor in crunch time, uh, from, from a defensive standpoint, the way the modern NBA is structured. 
And maybe you can if you have more offense on the floor. But uh, I I would see what is out there. Can you get another star that makes more sense at the three um, for like a Darius Garland? Um, and I know you are probably adamantly against that. Um, the other side of that is if, if you don't, if you can't make that move, then you do maybe tinker around the edges. You know, I, I don't think Levert is a guy I would trade. I don't think you're going to get a guy better than Levert back. Um, which is, which is one of the issues. I think actually on a good team, Karis Levert is an ideal bench player because he can play three positions. But the problem is, is the Cavs need him to be a three and he's a one, two, three, you know, he's a three with guard tendencies when he's a three. And, and I don't know if he's a good enough at moving without the ball and, um, and, and shooting off movement to be a a full-time three for the Cavs. So maybe you make that move, but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, the clock is ticking now that you have Donovan Mitchell, who's literally a top 10 NBA player. And if you have a top 10 NBA player on your team, you should be trying to contend every year. You shouldn't be building for the future. Um, and I don't know if the Cavs can just stay in development mode. And obviously, I think Mobley has enough potential. You wait on that. But do you wait on all these guys? Do you wait on Mobley and Garland and Okoro? Um, I don't know. I, I think you, you maybe have to shake it up a little, but I think the other side of it is I don't think they have a good coach right now. And that's the other new year's resolution. I'd make the hard choice to either play out the season and not bring JB back or, you know, if they go on an extended losing streak, consider letting him go. Um, Quinn Snyder's out there and he has a history with Donovan Mitchell. You know, there are good coaches out there that are available now. Um, so so I consider that, too. Um, and I think with the Cavs 22 and 14, that's really hard sell. But, you know, the Cavs did it with uh, Dave Blatt. Uh, David Blatt. And I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell is not LeBron James, but he's a top. I would call him a top seven NBA player right now. I think he's literally just outside the top five. So, and he seems a little going through the motions right now. And that concerns me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get to more when we come back. <laughs> so, uh, without we were back, welcome back to Cavs, the podcast. I'm Nate Smith and I'm going to eat you like him. Or, I'm not you like him, but I'm with you like him. Eli, any response to uh, you know my my long soliloquy there going into the break? I mean, I think we can be a probably being a little too down after such a depressing game. And a think, three game losing streak. Yeah, I think JB is a he's like the perfect like special teams coordinator. You know, the rah rah guy. He gets the <laughs> players. But as a head coach, I just don't think he's – I think he's just so stubborn and disagreeable that it's hard to envision him being like the coach of a NBA championship or contending team. Um, I mean, I think one key point that uh, comes up for me is the refs hate him. 
Like, he might be the most hated coach for the referees. Like, he, I feel like none of the refs like him. None of the refs give him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe I'm just biased against it, but it just genuinely feels like whenever we play anybody and there's a controversial call, he's, like, always in their face, always yelling at them. And, you know, there are ways to do that respectfully, I guess. And maybe he just hasn't learned how to do that. But I just feel like I get the opposite vibe. I feel like he never is demonstrative and or he's demonstrative, but he's not demonstrative enough. And he just, uh, you know, isn't doesn't take enough texts and doesn't like I feel like you either got to be totally respectful and you know, get on the ref side or you got to be so fiery, you go the other way and you fire your players up. And I feel like he's in the middle and it's yeah. not a good middle ground. I could, I could see that. I mean, I think, but I think he's just, I let's, let's, I just think he's pretty stubborn. Um, I think that's the biggest flaw of him um, as a people connector and leader of men. And like you said, I think he he wants to win, but he wants to do it on his terms, even though there seem to be solutions that, you know, may or may not happen. But at this point, we're never going to see it because he's so stubborn. He's not even going to try it. Like that's that's where we're at with him. Um, and you know, it's funny you bring up Quinn Snyder. I think you know there's some other candidates out there that are pretty good, like Kenny Atkinson and. There, I'd say Ime Doka. I mean, they're all out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> if the cat is really, I, I don't want Ime Doka. I don't that. either. But that's I'm just a circus. Saying, I'm not ready for. But I'm just saying, there are a lot of good coaches out there um, who I think could fit pretty well with uh, this, you know, this group. And if if there is a change, um, you know. You know, it could be interesting. I think this would be a very desirable job given the talent of the team, of course. So, yeah, and I think the other thing that really is starting to bother me is the unimaginativeness of the offense. And I feel like the players don't believe in the offense sometimes. You know, I see Donovan Mitchell go ISO a lot, and you saw, you know, during this whole losing streak, you've seen. Mitchell and Garland go ISO and not use the offense the way it's kind of drawn up. And I I think they're chafing at the lack of ability to get open and the lack of creativity. Um, And I think they're tuning out a little bit. I don't know. I mean, do you think from an offensive standpoint, he's coming up short? I do, but I don't want to speak for you. I think he's coming up short on both ends. I mean, he's a defensive specialist who's giving up you know, 60% from deep and it's not just once twice, but three games in a row, man. Like, yeah. How can you, it's like, Oh, we trust in, you know, I trust in my system. I trust in, well, I get that, but it can't, you can't let that happen three games in a row, especially like the Raptors game. Maybe you're like, it's a fluke. You know, they're like the 29th rated, they're a bottom five, three point shooting team. They got hot. Okay, fine. But then to like leave, KD and Kyrie, you know, <laughs> give him a lot yeah. of opportunities to shoot threes. It's like, all right, come on, man. And then tonight, you know, the Pacers are borderline top top 10 three-point shooting team. 
Buddy Hill has the most three points, three pointers made of the season. And the game plan is what to start Lamar Stevens, who can't really navigate around screens instead of a Coro to chase him down. Like, come on, like, what's what are you doing, JB? Like, it's just yeah. Well, and the thing. thing sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Go ahead. I, the thing that has struck me about this last game, and I saw it in the Toronto game, is. And, and it really baffled me with the way they played uh, Donkic and Giannis is they played those guys pretty much straight up, said, hey, these guys are going to get their points. We're going to make it hard for them, but we're not going to let anybody else beat us. And I felt like against Toronto, they just overhelped so much. Like you saw tonight when guys get beat and there's literally three guys trying to block the shot. And you know, that kind of bad defensive floor balance, lack of communication, you're going to give up open threes. You can't have three guys trying to block a shot. And I just feel like the rotations and part of this is just the goofy lineups all over the place that aren't used to playing with each other. But I feel like they just, when they give up all these threes, a lot of it is just from over helping and over collapsing to the paint. Um, and some of that is due to too much penetration, but some of that is just overhelping. And also it's a lack of mobility from bigs. I mean that, and I, I'll take it from Kevin Love because that's who Kevin Love is at this point. Um, you know, and, and the Pacers were abusing him in the early fourth quarter, but I really feel like the, I, I don't know if it's scheme or execution, but there have been so much overhelping and that's why these threes are wide open and, and also just lack of communication guys, not rotating. It, it's super weird. I, I don't get it. So I, any, what, what have you thought about the, the help defense? Has it been too much or is it just like, I don't know any reaction to any of that. Honestly, tonight's game reminded me of the dark days with Mike Longa birdie and it felt like we were playing. It felt like we were playing like a 2008 NBA defense where you like pack the paint, and then you like get you're willing to give up three pointers because you're like no one no one can make these at a 50 percent rate. And newsflash, they have been for the last three games. Um, yeah, and I get what I get the whole help the paint pack the paint. Of course, we should pack the paint. Like you give you prevent the easy buckets, but. The Cavs have the personnel to play straight up with the bigs. They have two bigs that are mobile and can play straight up. Like you don't need Lamar Stevens coming over to help on a shot. You don't need Darius Garland to leave Buddy Hill to like help contest on a Halliburton drive. Like you're just setting yourself to get murdered um, instead of you know possibly a 50-50 chance of giving up points, you know? So Well, I mean, you're gambling that Halliburton isn't a good enough passer to find him. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a joke. That's a terrible gamble. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he leaves the NBA in assists. So yeah, that's a terrible gamble. He's the number one on assisted threes from that point guard. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, these things are common sense. And, you know, part of me deep down wonders if the Cavs coaching staff actually does, you know, like if they trust the analytics on any of this, I'm convinced that the more and more we see, they're not. I think 
I think that's one of the divides of our front office and uh, the coaching staff. I think our front, our coaching staff is very anti, not anti analytics, but they're more old school feel. They're about vibes. Correct. And then yeah, I think our the front thing office that drives me nuts is that I just feel like JB's feel is totally off some games. Like that Nets game where Chetty was just, a, a wizard and then didn't play in the fourth quarter. It's like, what if you're playing off feel, the starters just didn't have it that night. So I don't understand the feel there, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I, yeah. So what, it, what about my, the, the, the little grenade I threw about there about exploring a trade for Garland? I actually, I think we've chatted about this in the group chat. I mean, I think, if you trade Garland, the one player that comes up to mind quietly is Jalen Brown, like that type of player. Um, but the way the Celtics are playing, I just think that's not going to happen. And I just think the market for small point guards are just—it's just not there. It's just not as prevalent as I think we want it to be. Everyone's looking for that yeah. six-foot-six wing player, and. I think you're, you know, giving away a pretty good point guard to get probably a good but not elite um, wing, and I just think that's not the move. So you know, part of me wishes that the Cavs had maybe given up Garland instead of Laurie. Oof, that's. I mean, that's a spicy take. I know that but. is a very spicy take. But Laurie is killing it right now. He's the most efficient player in the NBA, and he would just be the absolute perfect three for this team right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would. I think there was I mean, an and, article. And they're playing him at three. I think there was an article today where they asked, or where Laurie was quoted saying when the Cavs traded for Donovan Mitchell, he was like, oh, I'm so excited to play with Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> and then. That would have been so good. Him. Yeah. And it would have been perfect. He would have been a great fit with yeah. uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I, so. I very much wonder what other options were on the table if Lori was the must have or if they could have gotten away with Okoro and uh, Lavert. Um, is it part of me? Or, and then the other side of it is like they literally didn't get out, get Bogdanovich. Um, and <laughs> what was it? A second round pick and a and an expiring contract basically. Right. Yeah. And that's like, that's brutal. Like you could have had your starting three right there for Levert. And maybe that doesn't make perfect sense, but it makes more sense in the team. The Cavs have now, mm-hmm. you know, Neto would be playing a lot more. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And then maybe you get, uh, you know, maybe you do the trade earlier. You get Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Who's killing it too. Like, I just feel like they had way too much invested in all their development wings. Like the thought that one of them would pan out and the guy that's pan out is the guy they don't really want. <laughs> and that's Chetty. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. So I, I don't get it. And, you know, Dean Wade is great in theory, but he can't stay healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of, I'm like, that they need, they desperately need a wing that can score without the ball in his hands, or as a primary initiator. And not having that right now is is really hurting them. 
because they can't like, what is the point of even running secondary action for, for a guy like, uh, uh, Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okoro right now. It's like, I mean, even Isaac Okoro, that's the other thing about, I, you know, even Okoro is doing things out of a set offense. They just go stick Stevens in the corner. Mm-hmm. And then when he decides to freelance, it's a disaster. Yep. It just drives me crazy. I don't know. Anyway, with that, uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cats Podcast. You like him, Nate Smith. Uh, we are talking Cavs. A, a little bit of uh, got to change the vibe here. Um, you know, what are some players that intrigue you around the league right now? Let's let's do a little <laughs> trade slop, as uh, Chris Francis would say. Um, that, that that the Cavs can actually get because I feel like there's a lot of guys that players fans want. But I don't know if there's a lot of guys out there that Cavs can actually get. Yeah, I think I think the most realistic target is probably a pair of Clippers players, um, and then I think there's a Spurs player. Like that, who? I think Robert Covington is probably the most gettable player. Roko. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's barely playing, and he has a good relationship with Garland. Um. I think it might have to cost you Jetty, which would be pretty tough to swallow. I, I don't think it would cost you Jetty at this point. Maybe, but I think the numbers are pretty hard to match, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, so I would obviously try not to give up Jetty, um, but... I'd rather have Jetty than Covington, I'll be honest with you. I think I'm there. I think I'm with you there. Um, but I also think Luke Kennard is another name, if you want to expand that trade. And I think Kennard could be, uh, you know, like another secondary playmaker who can make threes in theory, and uh, really maybe him and Rubio when healthy can run that bench unit. Because in that scenario, you would have to trade Levert just for the numbers to work out, or Love, or Love, which yeah. And, and actually, if there's a place to trade Love. Trading him to the Clippers is not the worst because you're kind of putting him on a contending team and you're sending him to L.A. Like, that's yeah. not the worst send-off. Like, I feel like you would not be – I feel like you'd be okay with that move. Yeah, I think they would have to consult with him. Um, oh, for sure. I think they yeah. wouldn't do it without his blessing. Uh-huh. Hopefully. And I think he'd actually be a great fit with the Clippers. Oh, I do, would too. that. He'll be that four spacer. They got plenty of defensive players around him. So, well, aren't they starting uh, Marcus Morris? Yeah, I mean, he would. So he could be the backup for he basically Marcus Morris off the bench. Correct for them. So that's one. That's one team. Another team I think is uh, the Spurs. I think McDermott is the most gettable player, um, because he's not very good. But yes, but his skill set would fit actually really well with the Cavs. So because uh, he's a great shooter. Yeah, like I'm. But do you give up a Levert for him? I'm not sure that that's a move that moves you forward. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a very fair question. Um, I think that's why Josh Richardson also has to be involved if you're going to give up. Levert, yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So. Um, but I also feel like the Spurs don't make that move. I mean, maybe they do it just to get off of his contract, but I feel like the Spurs don't make that move without a decent young player coming back. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure I want to give up anybody the Spurs would want. Exactly. Well, although the other side of that is they probably don't want to pay McDermott next year. Um, you got to think Josh Richardson is not going to be back next year. Um, mm-hmm. that, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, could you do that for two second rounders or maybe even that big guy they got from Spain in the draft last year? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is why it's called slop and it's not neat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know what's funny is, you know what a lot of restaurants do with their leftover food? They sell it to pig farms. <laughs> and I feel oh, like that's... God. I'm not making that up. Like, no, I, buff- I, I believe you. I believe All you. the buffets in Vegas, like, all the leftover food just gets sold to pig farms. Um, which makes sense. I mean, at, at least they're not thrown in a landfill. But... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like... <laughs> The other team that intrigues me is uh, Charlotte because, A, they're going nowhere this year. Um, you got to think they would love to get off that Gordon Hayward contract next year. Um, yeah. But I also think the other side of that is you can't get Gordon Hayward without giving up Kevin Love. Exactly. Um, but... Gordon Hayward and the, but the other guy on that team that I threw out there to you is Kelly Oubre who makes 12 million. He's scoring 20 points a game, which is insane. Um, but he's doing it on 32% shooting. I got to think his shooting would go up. Um, and I actually don't hate having a 32% shooter if he's a willing shooter and he's got a quick release and, because the Cavs have enough offensive rebounders that I think they could make that work. You'd get a lot of Kobe assists. But I mm-hmm. also kind of hate Kelly Oubre Jr., the player, <laughs> or the person. He's kind of a douche. <laughs> so I don't know. The other guy there we've talked about a couple times, P.J. Washington. Uh, I don't think they want to pay him next year. Um, that's a weird team. I feel like you could pry some guys off that team. Yeah, and I think the most complicating factor is that there looks like they want to pay Miles Bridges, so which is kind of nuts. Yeah, and and if they want to pay Miles Bridges, then they definitely don't want Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. And I would not like, you know, we talked a little bit about sending Kevin Love to the Clippers. I would not send him to uh, a team like Charlotte without you know, kind of the thought that he could get a buyout or that in a three-way deal, like I, that just, I don't think you do that to a guy that's given that much your organization. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Um, you know, a guy who's a guaranteed going to have his banner raised, you know? So, but there's guys on that team. Definitely. That would make sense to me. Um, and then we talked about Detroit before, of course. Um, they've got, uh, uh, who do we say, Sadiq Bay a few weeks ago. Sadiq Bay, yep. And then uh, the other guy was, uh, 
Uh, what's Alec his Burks. name? Alec Burks, I think, would also be both be real nice fits. Although Alec Burks is a guy who has the ball in his hands a little bit more. He's not as much of a movement shooter. I don't know. I, that Hornets deal, like them just jettisoning some guys to get off long-term contracts. Like I feel like Hayward would really fit this team well um, as a, you know, a borderline starter, borderline bench player, kind of like the wing version of Kevin Love. You know what I mean? No, it totally makes sense. Um, I, 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 I don't love Gordon Hayward, the player or the contract or the injury, but on the floor, he makes sense. You know, the, yeah, the hypothetical Gordon Hayward makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like today on Twitter. I was like, yeah, the, uh, the idea of Doug McDermott always works out better than Doug McDermott. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but, oh, the other thing we were talking about Kings, the Kings have a lot of bad contracts. Like I feel like you get a player off the Kings, like maybe a Harrison Barnes. If you took on a Rachon Holmes, who is just not playing at all right now and kind of has a terrible contract. Um, and they don't hear because he was like, Oh, you can get, you can have a good center for $10 million a year. And now they're paying him like 20 and now he's terrible. No, he's only making 11 million a year, but his productivity is just falling off a cliff. Yeah. But they also, he plays the same position as Sabonis and Keegan and Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes. It's just like, there's just not minutes there for him. So I feel like that guy could definitely use a change of scenery. Oh yeah. Um, but he'd be what the fourth big for the Cavs. Uh, not if Kevin Love were gone. That's true. If Kevin Love leaves. Yeah. Because if Kevin Love went out West, then you'd probably have, it would probably be Rachon Holmes and Harrison Barnes for Kevin Love and, you know, uh, somebody else, uh, some kind of prospect mm-hmm. um, and eating Rachon Holmes contract is probably the price of that. Um, there's another bad contract on that team I'm trying to find it that you could maybe, I guess there's not. Yeah. I yeah, guess it's Malik, just, Malik mock is actually pretty good. Right. So yeah. And Herter has been good. And I actually think Kevin Love would be super useful for that team off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm. I don't know. I mean, let me let me see if there's anybody else out there. Um. Well, there's always Duncan Robinson from the Heat. I'm sure they'd give him away. Oh, Although yeah. I don't don't know if they'd give him to the Cavs, but he's such a bad defender. And then there's the then there's the Bulls. Like, do you think the Bulls blow it up? Blow it up. It's They're Pat right on Williams. The Pat Williams. Okay, and then of course there's the Wizards, like Yeah. Hachimura. I feel like Will Barton would be useful to the Cavs, but he's not that good. Like and you were talking about Kyle Kuzma. Can he opt out this year? He can. Yeah. Everyone he's he's told everyone he is gonna opt out, so Well he should. He's you know, putting up twenty two and eight and four assists and is one of the best shooters in the league. This is his big contract, you know. He can okay. probably sign a max deal. And then there's Japanese Jordan, Rui Hachimura, who puts up really good shooting numbers, but terrible advanced stats. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird team that doesn't make any sense. And they're terrible. I mean, that's... Yeah, they're not good. Yeah. 
And of course, they'll never seemingly trade Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. There's a team that, and then of course the Zinger is playing really well. He but, is. He's like one of the best fantasy players out there right now. Yeah. The problem is, is they don't have any other. They don't really have any wings other than because Kuzma's more of a four. You know, they're they're a weird team with bad wings and can't they can't guard anybody. I don't know who else is out there, Eli. What what other trade slop teams are? Orlando. I mean, Gary Harris is out there, I guess. Um, Terrence Ross. Yeah, uh, he's terrible. He can't guard my sister. <laughs> I mean, guard. <laughs> there's uh, there's Eric Gordon on the Rockets. You got to think yeah. he gets moved. But again, but, can he play the three for the Cavs? Probably not, because he's like six two. Yeah, and then of course the funny thing is, is LeBron signed that big extension, so he can't even be traded in season. Um, The Thunder don't really have any guys that makes it. I guess Lou Dort, but the Thunder don't need more draft picks. That's their problem. Yeah, they need players now. Yeah, and to just get older and grow. I feel like Utah has some very useful players that the Cavs probably couldn't get. (laughs) Utah's in a weird spot. Like, they're almost too good. I don't know. What about the Bulls? The Bull. I really like Alex Caruso, but he's not having a great year. But he can play the one, two, or three. I like Vooch, but he makes too much money, and he doesn't play a position the Cavs need. The Cavs could go after DeRozan because that's not working, but I kind of hate DeMar DeRozan, and I feel like he would take the ball out of the Cavs' best player's hands. Yep. I don't know. And then, of course, there's Zach Levine, who I think the Cavs don't have the they don't have the juice to get him. And then there's Pat Williams, who desperately needs to go to another team. I bet if Pat Williams gets traded, he's going to blow up. Oh, I do, too. Like his shooting stats are ridiculous. He's shooting 43 percent from three. Yeah. Like he's just trapped on a team. Like, he should be playing a lot more than he does. Like, he should be on a development team putting up 20 shots a game. Exactly. But he's not you know, because Levine and DeRozan are taking all those shots. Right. And, like, he would be so perfect on the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Uh, except he's not – well, the stats say he's not a great defender, but he would be so perfect, like, 93% free throw. Like, he's – he, but he's, the the crazy thing is he's only shot thirty threes or thirty free throws, like he's terrible at getting to the line. It, he's they're just a weird team, and he doesn't have a good stock rate either. Yeah, he was supposed to be this defensive specialist who's not that good at defense anymore. Yeah, he's kind of like the uh, the he's the power sexy. forward version of Cat. Like Cat's <laughs> reputation in college was as a defensive player and. He's been nothing but an offensive player in the NBA. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think the Cavs would have enough to get a Pat Williams, but that would, I, I would be very intrigued by that. I don't You'd know. Be intrigued Do you, by Pat and Sadiq Bay, right? I don't know. Sadiq Bay is okay. He's kind of a poor man's Pat Williams. I don't know. Do you think the Cavs could get like a Zach Levine for Darius Garland? Would that make sense? Man, that's a devil's bargain, isn't it? It is. I just think Levine 
and Mitchell like don't fit that great though. No, I'm with you. Levine's not a movement shooter. Um, I, I mean, Levine and DeRozan aren't fitting very well. Yeah. That's that's been part of the problems. Um, I, I think like Levine, and, Alex Gar- Levine and Garland would fit together. I think better than Levine than any and other Mitchell. combination of those four. Yeah, the problem is is Levine and Garland is a terrible defensive backcourt. Correct. Le- Levine is. At best, an average defender. Mm-hmm. So, I don't... I, but the Bulls have some players I'd be intrigued in. I would not be opposed to Derek Jones Jr. I, I don't think he's... What's he shooting from three? Ooh, 21%. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's just... Uh, I'd rather have Okoro. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think... I think, if anything, this just proves that... Uh, just give a Coro a chance. Like, what, what yeah. do you got to lose at this? What do the Cavs yeah. have to lose at this point? Oh, here's the guy I'd like. Uh, Javante Green would be interesting for the Cavs. I actually like him as a as a wing for the Cavs, but he's yeah. a little undersized to play the three. Well, and the other thing is the Bulls like him a lot too because he's he yeah, but he's starting, old. He was starting ahead of uh, Pat Will for a while to start. The yeah, year. yeah, but he's old. And old. maybe they can trade us the coach too. Ooh, I don't <laughs> Billy know. Donovan. You're not a Billy Donovan guy. I'm not. No, okay. I've I've never been that impressed with him. Like he's an okay coach. I feel like he has a better reputation than his. He has results. It's because he coached Al Horford and Jakeem Noah at the right time. Yeah, and then. Coach Durant in Westbrook before Westbrook was before Westbrook. Durant left and Westbrook was uh, well no that was that was was Durant under Billy Donovan or was that when they had Chris Paul for that one year yeah I don't think it was I think they had one year with Durant <sighs> yeah yeah I don't know I mean there's some guys there I feel like you got to kind of take a risk on a guy that can shoot. I, the other guy is Bojan Bogdanovic is still out there. I would love to see. I don't think the Pistons are going anywhere. If they could get uh, an intriguing piece for Bogdanovic, it might make sense for them. And then, of course, there's Atlanta, who supposedly wants to get under. But I don't think the Cavs have any of the juice to get. That's the problem. The Cavs need a guy that they don't have the assets for unless they move like a Garland. Yep. And obviously, Atlanta is not a place that Garland's going to go. <laughs> they might as well double down on small guards. <laughs> yeah, that that's a weird team. But that's always they've always been better in the second half of the season ever since Trey got there. So that's true. Anyway, um, so what do we got coming up for the Cavs? Speaking of Bulls, they play the Bulls back to back. Oh yeah, uh, not- that's. Well, the home and home, I guess, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I almost went to that New Year's Eve game in Chicago. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it's only then, a couple hours from me. So, so that's what's next for the Cavs. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a winnable game. Like I feel like the Cavs got to get off the snide, especially on the road. But I'm not quite sure how they do that. Yeah, I mean their schedule actually. It looked really tough, but with some injuries and stuff, it's going to be a lot easier because they play the Bulls twice, then they play the 
the Suns without Devin Booker. And then like a week later, they play the Suns again without Devin Booker. Um, yeah. So, Although I feel like games. the Suns without Devin Booker that are the trap team that the Cavs always fall to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now I just don't feel confident that in the <laughs> yeah. Cavs unless they're playing like the Magic or something. Yeah, exactly. Although the Magic are feisty. They had that big fight with uh, Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that they're going to suspend like nine players. Yeah, well, the Killian Hayes punch was pretty bad from what I heard. Mm-hmm. So, which is hilarious because if, if, like, he is not a player who's good enough to be <laughs> getting away Punching with garbage people. like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, anything we've left off here in terms of trade slot? No, I think we covered a good bit of it. Um, Well, you got anything to pitch or any uh, big New Year's resolutions, any plans? What are you doing for New Year's? I'm keeping it low-key, man. After I got COVID right before Christmas, I got (laughs) it. I get it. I mean, I can't get it again, allegedly, but uh, (laughs) I just, uh, you know, want to take it easy and keep recovering. Yeah. I feel like I'm just exhausted all the time. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I, when did you have it? Um, I got it right after I went to the game, the Mavs game. That's when I started getting sick. <laughs> so, so like mid December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I had, it, was that your first bout or your second? No, this is actually my third bout. With oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, geez. I mean, uh, just to be clear with everyone, I am vaccinated. It's not like I'm not, <laughs> Um, no, I get I got, it. I got it once before the vaccine was out when I lived in California at the yep. time. And then I got it last year around this time. And then I got it this year around this time. So every Christmas, it seems, is when I get it. So I got to next year, I got to maybe get out of the country or something for a bit. <laughs> no, I get that. Um, I got it this summer and I was sick for five weeks. Um and it, it, I mean, it was rough. I was miserable, but fortunately, um, I, I feel like I'm avoided it for the most part. We're just hanging out at home, so I'm not too worried. We have our little pod here, so um, I'm not doing anything. I was gonna go. I think I'm gonna take a trip for MLK weekend, but um, yeah, it's gonna be low key playing board games, not not going in any big sporting events. Although I am going out concert the weekend after and I would like to hit a Cavs game, but I don't think there's one going on when I'm there. So, um, when I'm in Ohio, so, um, but, and as far as new year's resolutions, just, you know, getting in better shape is the perpetual new year's resolution. <laughs> when I'm you get you into your forties, that is the, uh, that's the perpetual new year's resolution. Anything to pitch tonight? Um, not, Really? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything. What about you? Yeah, I've been I've been playing a lot of video games on my computer. I built a built a computer um, for kind of my Christmas project, and been rewiring my house and all that. Like the guy that had my house before me ran, he didn't believe in Wi-Fi, so he ran Ethernet everywhere but it's literally just cables coming out of the wall. Like he didn't terminate anything to uh, wall plates or anything. And it just, just drives me nuts. So I've been slowly re-terminating everything and making it what I would consider code. 
uh, as a, as a techie guy. And then I built a computer, just finished it today. And so I plan on playing that. I've been playing some video games. I just finished a game called, uh, citizen sleeper, which is a, a kind of an indie role playing game, story driven. Um, and yeah, just plan on, it's been a low key. I've had a staycation this week, so it's been nice, but hanging with the fam, uh, it's been hard to podcast because, uh, my daughter is right below my office and can hear and she goes to bed pretty early. Uh, she's home from college. So I've, I've, I've had a hard time podcasting. So when, when she goes back to school, the podcast will, will be more often, but yeah, not, not much going on. Just, uh, it was funny because we had the big blizzard a week ago and then this today it was 60 out. So everything has turned to muck. So it's probably the oh, same yeah. thing there, right? Yeah, it's like it was like fifty five degrees today. Yes, it's but just it's supposed it, to rain like it's supposed to rain Saturday and during the week, and then it turns to snow during the week next week. So, ugh. It's all, gotta love January in the Midwest. Yeah. Did you get to go to? Uh, weren't you going to go to San Diego? Yeah, I went to San Diego around Thanksgiving time, and then nice. I was in Phoenix for a golf trip. Uh, right oh, before. how'd you shoot? Played pretty well. Um, shot in the eighties. Nice. Um, did have one bad round, like in the mid nineties, but you know the weather was great. It was like sixty five, um, sunny most days. So no, that's rough. That's oh, yeah. it was tough. This is the this is the this is the time of year everybody wants to live in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm actually going to Austin, Texas, for a bachelor party in two weeks. So nice. So nice. We'll see. World. I think I got World traveler. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can yeah. see. Well, the other thing is there's so many other uh, respiratory viruses out there between flu and like everybody in my house. My daughter got or my youngest got sick for a week, which with what I assume is the flu. And then there's RSV going around and it's like, yeah, just <laughs> stay, stay away from me. <laughs> flu. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, Wishing you a very happy uh, 2023, Eli, and let's hope we have better Cavs news the next time uh, we talk. But uh, happy new year and happy new year to all our listeners. And uh, as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. So Eli and I, this is bonus content. Eli and I were just talking and I was, uh, he said, hopefully the Bulls will leave Patrick Williams under the tree. And I said, hopefully Lamar Stevens can stay in Chicago. And I was like, and then I kind of felt bad about it because I like Lamar Stevens, the person he's, I just feel like he's out of his depth. And then Eli added a little color. Yeah. So when, uh, when I had the honor of sitting right behind the Cavs bench, um, Lamar Stevens, he, who did not play in that game, but he was actually the nicest player to me. He, uh, complimented my jacket and, uh, yeah, he just you know didn't have to do it, but he he said you know talk to me for a couple minutes with as players were warming up an hour before the game. So I had my uh, my heart for him grew a little bit that day, but yeah, I just wish he was a better player so I could love him even more. I mean, that's just <laughs> <laughs> well, now that's what I want. I want Lamar Stevens to be a better player. So now now I feel like the Grinch that that stole Christmas. So yeah. Um, yeah. 
Wow, that that was good contact. Any other good stories to tell from uh, your your trip behind the bench? Oh yeah, I with mean the, with the magical jacket. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that is just throws you off is how high Evan Mobley's voice is. To, oh yeah, Holly is like he just sounds like he sounds like a teenager. I mean. Technically, I guess he might be nineteen, right? So, or he just turned twenty. It's almost like a Mike Tyson thing. Kinda, yeah. And I think the other thing is, um, the other thing that's pretty inter- cool is like they look NBA players when you're like that close. They all look so skinny, and the guards don't look that tall, but the bigs look really big. Like it's when you're in it, it just look. It's just it's just interesting to see that like. The guards look like normal dudes, like normal athletic looking dudes. And then guys like Robin Lopez just are like, oh my goodness, like I've never Giants. seen Giants. Yeah. It's like an so, end. Yeah. Exactly, the end. So, like, any like uh, vibes from the interaction with the coach or the uh, just how they all kind of interact on the bench or anything like that? Just pretty normal or what? You know, I think the vibes are actually pretty good. Um, I think it's really good to see, like, all the players really like Rubio. Rubio was on the bench and joking it up with everybody. And I think everyone really likes Jetty. I think that's another thing that just looked more apparent in person. Like, everyone loved Jetty, um, except J.B. Bickerstaff, apparently. But, <laughs> um, but J.B. definitely is... There's, it it, it kind of feels like there's a little bit of like, maybe fear is not the right word, but there's some people I think walk a little bit on eggshells when they're really close to JB. Um, and that includes like the assistant coaches like Sydney Lowe and uh, Luke Walkner. Yeah. Luke Walkner. Yeah. Because uh, I think they, I don't know, I think there's definitely a hierarchy and I think JB has definitely been empowered by the powers above to be like the voice for the team. So it was just interesting. Cause I was trying to talk to Sydney Lowe, and he just said like, Hey, we're not allowed to man. And then he just kind of walked away. But I thought everyone was pretty nice considering, you know, at the end of the day, that's still their job and their livelihood. So they got to be focused and focus on the task at hand. So, um, I mean, I thought the vibes between the players were very good. And, um, I think Kevin Love has the best relationship with all the coaches. That's like another thing that was very evident. Which him is and, super kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah. Like him and uh, Buckner and Luke Walton were just always chatting. And even when they left, I think Kevin Love had his like arms around uh, Coach Buck. And it was just uh, just interesting, you know, to see that the veteran had such a good relationship with all those guys. Even though they're like benching him and letting him get targeted, but <laughs> so do you think uh, Love could be coach someday? Maybe. I mean, I think I think Love has great basketball IQ, um, and I think he could be a coach. But I think he's just so chilled, laid back. He might not be the uh, he might be the better like X and O's guy or like the Luke Walton role, or, or maybe like uh, the the champ. Out in Phoenix. Yeah, maybe a front office guy. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, James Jones. James Jones, yeah, NBA champion yeah. James Jones. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Interesting. That, yeah. Now, now I hope Dan actually, he could fight. be in broadcasting very easily as well. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. For with how eloquent and uh, I, I could see him being one of the top uh, analysts or one of the top game guys for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, if Wally Zerbiak can do it, then I'm sure Kevin Love. Oh, I think Kevin Love would be so much better than a uh, a Mark Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I I loathe Mark Jackson. So, anyway, that was. Uh, thank you for the background there. That was that was super interesting. And uh, we we met. When's your next game? Uh, the next game I'm going to is actually. The Warriors game on the January twentieth. So that's so. If morning. they haven't won by then, you may have to wear the jacket. I'm just saying. That is true. <laughs> I'm you not may have to. You, I don't want to wear it out, but I feel like that they may be due by then. So yeah, I'm not going to be sitting that close, uh, <laughs> but I will probably have to wear it regardless. Nice, nice. Did you like the side picture that I put up on the recap? Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I thought, I thought. Well, it was funny because I googled gold jacket and a picture of Elvis came up, and I was like, gonna put that, and I go, why would I put Elvis on there? And I was like, um, and then I saw Psy further down. I was like, oh yes, that's that's the winner right there. Oh, so, for sure. for sure. Okay, well, uh, uh, you uh, have a happy new year, and <laughs> one more time, go Cavs. Go cat. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.